0: Father, we thank you for your tremendous power, your authority, uh, your majesty, and we thank you most of all, God, for the relationship that you have with us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your son, Christ, who opened that door so that we can have direct relationship with you, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that your son uh, uh, promised and left with us so that we can be taught and we can be guided into all truth and righteousness according to your will. Father, let this service and this message on today, Lord, continue to be your breath uh, being uh, blown into the hearts and the minds of the believers and the listeners and those who will be a part of Life Nation on today. We pray good success and we pray that the vessel, Lord God, will be just continually uh, endued on high with your power to release what you need to share into the environment in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. So thank you all again. Thank you, Apostle, for that prayer. Um, Always, always, always blessed by his prayers. And I just want to say as we begin, if you would, please go ahead and share this broadcast out. If you know a teacher, share this broadcast out. Um, If you have teachers in your life, put this broadcast, message it to them and say, hey, I want you to check this out today. So, as we begin um just a little backdrop, I always go before the Lord to ask Him what it is that I'm going to be teaching and what it is that I'm going to be sharing and I remember last week uh saying to the Lord, "Lord, I don't know what you want me to share. There's a lot that's in my heart, but I want to make sure that I'm sharing what you want me to share for this time in this season that will not only bless me but it will bless the hearers and so, I went to sleep. Right after that prayer and God woke me up in the middle of the night and he just began to download this series of messages that I'm going to be teaching throughout this month and into um, December. And he said, I want you to unlearn some things and I want you to relearn this calling called the teacher. So that's where we're going to be focusing um, our energy Going into the end of the year, we're going to be doing this series uh, specifically about the call of the teacher, the role of the teacher. And as I said, if you have some teachers in your life, I really believe that this is going to be a a powerful series that's going to strengthen them. But also, um, as you grow, as you learn, as you develop as well, I know I'm growing and learning and developing. It's also probably going to bring some clarity about the role of teachers in your own life. So um, I do want to say thank you to uh, one of our partners who is on here today. She actually gave me this uh, shirt and she didn't even really know that this is what I was getting ready to uh, start a series on. So I want to say thank you uh, openly for sending me this as just a confirmation of the message that I'm supposed to be sharing with you all now. So let's jump right in. As I was hearing from the Lord, this is what he started this series off with. So I'm going to share it with you because it's kind of going to set the tone. He said, when people pretend not to hear you, it is a form of silencing you. When people pretend not to hear you, it is a form of silencing you. And believe it or not, we are living in a time that is at an all-time high of falsehood, deceit, untruths, treachery, and so anyone who is trying to break through that barrier of falsehood, to break through that barrier of deceit, they are facing opposition right now. So whether you're a teacher, whether you're a historian, whether you're a scholar, whether you are an archivist, whether you are an activist, whether you just simply want the truth to be heard and to be known, there is a concerted effort being made to silence people who want the truth to be heard and known. And silencing people who have a passion for the truth. And he said to me, teachers are called to be voices of truth in the age of falsehood. Teachers are called to be voices of truth in the age of falsehood. And they took me to John the Baptist and he asked a question. He said, how lonely do you think it was to be the voice crying in the wilderness? Mm. To be that one person who was walking alone in a truth that they had to introduce to a generation that was not really ready for that truth to come on the scene. So John the Baptist was a voice and he was crying in the wilderness. He wasn't whispering in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness. He was not only not whispering, but he was not on the outskirts of a difficult place. But he was smack dab in the midst of a difficult place. He wasn't a voice crying in the city. He was a voice crying in the wilderness where access to food and access to people was not at an arm's reach. So he had a message of truth. But if you wanted to get to that message of truth, you had to go into the wilderness. You had to seek him out to hear that truth, to reach for God in that moment, you had to leave comfort behind. Now you didn't have to leave it behind forever, but you had to be willing to move and to mobilize yourself in order to seek out the truth. And the Holy Spirit said to me, now the mobility is with your mind. That mobility to move out and to seek the truth is with your mind and with your mindset. So you have to ask yourself, is your mindset mobile and global? Are you ready to move your mind into the place of truth? So we have John, who was a teaching prophet. You have someone like Ezra, who we may get into in this series, who was a teaching scribe. You have Priscilla and Aquila, who were an apostolic teaching team, a married teaching team. You have Paul, who was an apostle who was teaching new audiences and going to a different ethnic group than his own. And then you have, of course, Christ, who was the parabolic teacher. We're going to talk about him. Lord willing, next Sunday. So, teaching is not a sexy gift. It is not a gift that comes with glitter and glam. It is a speaking gift. It is a power gift. But teaching has a penalty attached. Yeah. Let's look at that penalty attached really quickly. Go with me to Luke 6. Go with me to Luke 6, starting at verse 39. This is Jesus talking. He also told them a parable. He said, can the blind lead the blind? Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. You're you're going to have and you're going to experience the accountability and the responsibility of what it means to become like your teacher. Hardly do prophets or pastors get ridiculed for error. We won't go into all of the myriad, current myriad examples of people who are doing things in error, who have the title prophet or who have the title pastor. We won't talk about the entire year of how prophets and pastors came out and said one person was supposed to win because God said. They're still teaching. They're still prophesying. So hardly do they really get ridiculed for errors, But teachers, on the other hand, Teachers are judged harshly. Now the Holy Spirit answered my why. And here's the why. He said, because doctrine and beliefs form a society and culture and drives decisions or inactions of kings and presidents. I'm going to say that again. He said, teachers get judged harshly because doctrine and beliefs form a society and culture and drives decisions or inactions of kings and presidents. And so we have to think about that. We have to look at that. And as we look at it, as we start diving into this, he said, I want you to go back to the the rudiments and I want you to Drill in and hone in the rudiments of what it means to be a teacher. So we're going to start with some terms and definitions because most of us think we know what teaching is. And I know I thought I did, but he said, I want you to unlearn some things and I want you to relearn some things. So what does the word teach mean? It's a Germanic word and it comes from the word token, which means to show or to present or to point out. So if you're showing people things, you're presenting things, you're pointing things out, you are a teacher. Now, whether or not you have the gift or the calling to a specific um, purpose or principle or vision, that's a different thing. But what does it mean to educate? Because this is the word that I use when I speak of myself. I don't just call myself a teacher. I am an educator. To educate comes from the Latin word educo. Which means to draw out or to lead out, as in lead out of ignorance. It means to draw out or develop from within. So an educator is trying to help you to develop inwardly and to draw out of you what is in you and to lead you out of ignorance. That's an educator. Everybody can teach, but not everyone is educating. Napoleon Hill said an educated person is one who develops the faculty of their mind to acquire whatever they set their mind to achieve. So you got to ask yourself, am I developing the faculty of my mind or am I just simply intaking information or regurgitating things that I've heard other people say? Now, there's another interesting term that the Lord wants me to bring to your attention. He said, look up the word didactic and parabolic, because this is the style in the method of teaching that Jesus really showed forth in his ministry. A parable is a succinct didactic story that's either in prose or in verse that illustrates one or more instructive lessons or principles. It's different than a fable because a parable has human characteristics, unlike fables that employ things like plants or animals or objects or nature in order to speak. These are short allegorical stories designed to illustrate or teach some truth, religious principle, or moral lesson. Therefore, an autodidactic is a self-taught person. And then, what is doctrine? Doctrine is the body of principles. It is the dogma. It is the body of teaching or learning. It comes from the word doctor or teacher. Yes, a teacher is a doctor. They are a doctor of knowledge, sharing the dogma or the body of knowledge that they have learned. So then, today, we're going to start out with James 3, because, as the Lord told me, teachers have an accountability that they have to deal with. So let's look at James 3, 1 through 2. He said, in the text, not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. This is in relation to taming the tongue. In other words, the first and most primary order of business with the teacher is the discipline of one's own tongue. the discipline of one's own mouth, the discipline of one's own voice, tone, and speech. And we know that our tongue and what we say is connected to our mind. So a teacher leads people with their tone, with their speech, with their voice, and with the soundness or the unsoundness of their mind. When a teacher bypasses the process of self-discipline, word discipline, and mental readiness, it can lead to dire consequences. And so as we look at James 3, he's letting us know, even in this entire text in James 3, that our deeds and our words should reflect our faith. In other words, the more that you claim to know, the more accountable you are held for what you do with what you know. I'm going to say that again so it can sink in. The more that you claim to know, the more you are held accountable for what you do with what you know. So James' warning that he gives here, it might have been an issue in his day that there were too many self-proclaimed teachers. Many have lacked spiritual gifting. They may have lacked maturity. They may have lacked lifestyle that was aligned with Christ's truth. So there was a reason why he had to come out and, and talk to people during his time and his cultural day to say, listen, not many of you should be walking around here claiming to be teachers of the way. Followers of the way, yes. Teachers of the way, there was a greater accountability and a greater standard that they were going to be held to. Remember, at the beginning of this journey of them learning of Christ and becoming apostles they were being lynched. They were being killed. They were being taken into custody for teaching the way of Christ. So it wasn't a popular thing that was going on and that that was happening. He was trying to let them know that this message is a dangerous one to any established system that does not want to align with Christ. It's a dangerous message. So we know that God empowers specific individuals to fulfill the role of the teacher. We know this according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, which you can read on your own. Romans 12 and 7 and Ephesians 4 and 11. Teachers help to make the word of God clear in this context. To the believer. So when we're talking about the calling of a teacher, we're talking about those who are called to help make the word of God clear to the believer. Clear and not cloudy. Clear and not laced with a bunch of red tape that you have to get through in order to get to Christ. Clear and not closed off to certain groups of people. Clear. And not barricaded behind rituals. Teaching in the basis sense is not necessarily prophecy. And it's not necessarily revealing new truths. Now there are prophetic teachers like myself. And there are revelatory teachers. But the basic gift of teaching is to help make the word of God clear to The believer. Teachers do the work of taking what has been revealed and making it easy to understand and follow. So if you're listening to a teacher and the more that you listen to them, the more confused you get, chances are their teaching is not their calling. They might be a prophet, but teaching teachers are to make clear the word of god teachers have to live by the truth that they teach they also have to be careful to not lead people away by their own words and their own philosophy again we're talking specifically about those who are t- are called to teach the gospel and so James says, if you're going to teach, you have to deal with the responsibility of your voice. You have to be accountable for your voice and you have to watch out so that you don't mislead people by your teaching. So what is your responsibility as a teacher? Your responsibility is what you do with your voice. Your responsibility is self-discipline. Your responsibility is a godly lifestyle. You have to be held accountable for the doctrine that you teach. And you have to recognize and accept that there are consequences for misleading words. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, he says, Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, We also guide the whole animal and consider ships though very large and driven by fierce winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest, a small fire ignites and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, Is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it is set on fire by hell. Now you would think reading that, man, there's no hope for the tongue. (laughs) There is no hope from what he's saying. But let's keep reading. He says, for every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish is tamed. And has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Hmm. Who is wise in understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag. And lie in defiance of the truth. Mm. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. Mm. But let me tell you where your source is supposed to be coming from, teachers of God. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peace loving, Mm. gentle. Compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's break it down. James tells us about and shows us faith and works, that what one does and what one says proves what they believe and proves where their source is. Because your faith will change your speech and your actions. And we need to aim for this change daily. Cursing people while loving God is a display of an immature faith. Surprised?
0: Mm.
1: A teacher moving toward perfection is is active in doing good, not being boastful, being peaceful, being focused on purpose, and living a life pleasing to God. So how we teach, how we speak about others, how we speak to others, you have to ask yourself the question, Am I letting godly wisdom mature in me? Am I the holdup to godly wisdom maturing in me? Just think about it. James tells us the tongue is a fire. Well, what is fire? Fire can light things up. It can provide warmth or it can destroy. It can destroy Or it can cleanse an environment. It can corrupt. It can set the course of your life. Your voice can set the course of your life. It can set you on a path to destruction, or it can set you on a path to purpose. He said, "No man can tame the tongue, but here's the good news: the Holy Spirit can." So he's letting you know right up front, if you're trying to tame the tongue in your own strength, you are more than likely going to fail at it. Why? It is a restless evil. It always wants to get into something. It always wants to release fully deadly poisonous things. Hmm. So I need the power of the spirit to conquer this tongue, to make this tongue set me on a course of life versus setting me on a course of destruction. The Spirit of God tames the tongue. We cannot do it with human effort alone. Proverbs 13 and 3 says this, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his mouth comes to ruin. You probably have somebody pictured in your mind right now that fits that description. That their mouth consistently gets them in trouble and leads them to ruin. We don't need anything but... The, the myriad of examples of people that we see around us every day that fit that description. Proverbs 12 and 18 says, rash words are like sword thrusts.
0: Mm.
1: You ever felt cut by somebody's words? You ever felt stabbed or wounded by someone's words? Rash words are like sword thrusts, But the tongue of the wise brings healing. I don't know about you, but I want to mature in this thing. I want to mature in the faith so that every time I open my mouth to speak, people get healed by what I say and not hurt by what I say. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, let no corrupt talk. Come out of your mouth. But what builds up? What fits the occasion? (laughs) What gives grace to the hearers? Mm -hmm. We want to give grace to the hearers. My God, what are we doing? Do we open up our mouths because, yeah, I want to cut somebody down today? Or do we open up our mouths saying, yes, I want to lift somebody up today. I want to strengthen somebody today. Proverbs 18 and 19 says, a brother who has been insulted (laughs) is harder to win back than a walled city. Arguments separate people like the barred gates of a palace. There's a way to speak to people. Even when you don't necessarily agree with them or understand, you can say, I hear you. I may not agree with you, but I hear you. I'm listening. I'm trying to understand what it is that you're saying, but I don't have to cut you down with my words and my speech. hmm Proverbs 26 and 20 says, without gossip, quarreling will stop. Hence all of the gossip papers out here, right? (laughs) They want to keep the quarreling going because that's where their revenue is. Mm. But without gossip, quarreling will stop. Without without gossip, there won't be an East Coast, West Coast fight. Without gossip, quarreling will stop. Without gossip, marriages will remain. Proverbs 11 and 17 says, You nourish your soul when you are kind and you destroy yourself when you are cruel. I believe prophet Bobby Brown said, don't be cruel because I would never be that cruel to you. Right? Right? First, Peter three and nine says, don't do the tit for tat. Don't render evil for evil, nor insult for insult. Or in today's vernacular, don't render petty for petty. (laughs) We have whole gospel ministers out here saying that they are called to the ministry of petty. And the Bible says otherwise. You inherit a blessing when you repay evil with a blessing. That's 1 Peter 3 and 9. So you want to understand spiritual law? You inherit a blessing when you repay evil with a blessing. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And then I just kept seeing the word kind and kind this and kind that. And a lot of you know that I talk about how kindness is a form of currency, but it really is. Could the fountain of youth actually be in kindness? That's released out of you. That's restoring your own body. Because Proverbs eleven seventeen 17 says, you nourish your soul when you are kind. You nourish your soul when you are kind. Mm -hmm. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healing for the body. So if you're dealing with sickness in your body, I'm going to say, check your kindness. What are you releasing out of your body? Are you releasing the self Healing medicine called kindness.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a currency. God has not called us to be cruel teachers or nasty teachers or angry teachers or vindictive teachers or even petty teachers. To be those things is to miss the mark of your call. Let's look at James 1 and 26 for a moment. James 1 and 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, spiritual, otherworldly, without controlling his tongue, but deceiving his heart, his religion is useless. If you don't get control over your voice. If you don't get control over your voice messaging system. He says is useless. What's coming out of your mouth is defiling you and deteriorating your own health. And Matthew 15, 18 lets us know. That is coming from your heart. Let's go there real quick. Matthew 15 and 18. And it reads. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a man. From the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It's an unwashed heart that defiles a man, a human, a teacher. So in essence... Your mouth is cruel because your heart is diseased. Mm. And it's filled with things that bring about destruction. Your heart is rotating on an unkind meditation all day. And therefore, what's coming out is defiling you. It's not what goes in a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. So I can put in juices and berries and kale and sea moss (laughs) in my heart and I still have heart disease. Yes. Because I'm going to say it one more time for us to get it. It's not what goes in a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. Matthew 12 and 36 lets us know that we're going to give an account for every careless word we speak. And when I started realizing that, I started being more mindful with my words. I started being more mindful with my speech. Yes, I take time to write down what it is that I want to teach and say because I want to be mindful of my words. We're going to give an account for every careless word. Every word that had less care in it. Every unkind, unthoughtful unplanned word that we release, we got to give an account by our words, we will be justified. And by our words, we will be condemned. And so what is your voice messaging? What is your voice messaging to your family, to your friends, to your followers, in your professional space, in your environment, To your larger global community. What is your voice messaging? Colossians 4 and 6. And we're starting to wrap up. It gives us some qualifications. Colossians 4 and 6. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. So that you know how you ought to answer each person. When in doubt, be gracious. When in doubt, grace it out. (laughs) It's supposed to be seasoned with salt. Salt is a preservative. Are your words preserving people? Or are they punishing to people? Are they preserving people? Or are they pummeling people? So does your messaging pass the litmus test? Is it gracious and is it preserving? Is it gracious? Is it preserving? You know, in the field of teaching, we often use an acronym called THINK. We say THINK before you speak, but I'm going to say THINK before you teach. Is it true what you're about to say? Is it helpful what you're about to say? Is it inspiring? Does it have a positive intent what you're about to say or teach? Is it necessary? And is it kind? There goes that word again, kind. Do you understand the office or is your voice removing you from your call? Office, a place or function, a, design, a divine service. Office comes from the word officium, which means a service, a kindness, a favor, official duty, a work doing. It also means power, might, abundance. Ecclesiastical service or position. So if I say I am in the office of a teacher, I'm saying I'm in the kindness of a teacher. I'm doing a kindness in this position called the office. I'm in the service of being a teacher and I'm doing it at the favor or at the pleasure of the one who sent me. So it's the official duty of operating in the power and the might and the abundance of work doing for this position. Same goes with a prophet, pastor, apostle, evangelist. If you're in the office of, you're in the kindness of, you're in the service of, you're in the favor of, and you're at the service of the king. You're in the service of Christ. You have the favor of God. To do it, and you serve at the pleasure of the king. Never forget this. Everything that we do, we do it at the pleasure of the king. And you know what happens when you're moved from office? You are disappointed. That's what that means. To disappoint means to remove from appointment. So if you understand your call, if you understand the power of your voice, the Holy Spirit said many people, because they don't understand the power of their words and their voice, they are disappointing themselves. They are removing themselves from their appointment. God isn't removing you. You're removing yourselves from the appointment of your call when you fail to do what's necessary in the call. What has God called you to do with your voice? How can your message change today? This is our message. Lord willing, next week we're going to be talking about Jesus, the master teacher the master methodologist apostle.
0: Mm -hmm. God bless everyone here. What a powerful display of teachers. Um, This is very powerful because number one, I have such a great respect for this message because, first of all, Prophet Shantae is a licensed teacher. She's been in the practice of teaching for over 21 years. Okay? So, when she speaks, she's not speaking from rhetoric. She's not speaking from personal opinion. Uh, She has to be well vetted uh, for her profession. And then, also... With Prophet Shantae and myself, we had to go through very rigorous uh, training in order to teach and to minister the Word of God. We didn't get, we didn't pay for a certificate to call us doctor. Um, We did not just get appointed by people who are on the out fringes of society to think that, well, we want to make you feel like you're somebody. We had to go through very serious training very serious um, rigors to make sure that we were qualified to be representing of God to the people. And we had to go through a process of testing and ordination before the congregation of people who are affirmed that we are sincere in doing what God says. But there is one passage that really, truly, Blends uh, that really sums up this message it was it was James uh, Sir James one twenty six I want to rehearse that in our ears today I want to read it from the Message Bible if I can get to it James one twenty six all right uh, anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self deceived. This kind of religion is hot air, and only hot air. Real religion, that the kind that passes must before God the Father, is this. You know, reaches out to you know the orphans and the widows and, and the um, things of that nature. So one thing we have to understand: the office, any particular office where you're teaching the Word of God, is not there to be bully pulpit. We are not here to enforce procedures and policies of people's opinions. We are not here to enforce the crosswinds and doctrines of culture. Because even in the Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it talks about the fivefold. We are here to mature the body of Christ, not to break it down. We are here to make sure that the body of Christ, the collective body of believers globally through all ages, is able to stand against the winds of doctrine, of doctrine mm-hmm. that toss people to and fro. So in that sense, a teacher is an anchor to the soul. So without teaching, none of us, without the proper teacher, none of us can even have the ability to live in a civilized environment. You have to be taught how to read, you have to be you have to be taught how to walk, you have to be taught how to run, you have to be taught how to eat. You know, the teaching starts from home, then it matriculates into the educational system. And then, in most cases, um, either simultaneously or you know, progressively you have spiritual teaching. So without the function of the teacher, ignorance, Adrenaline. rudeness, mm-hmm. deceit, and mainstream media becomes your, teacher. your God. Mm-hmm. The God of this world wants to ensure that there is ignorance towards the ways of God, mm-hmm. and that there's ignorance towards the love of the human family. Mm-hmm. So, when you have people who use quote unquote religion as a base of teaching and use that to denounce, um, to ridicule, to harm, and to incite riotous behavior that is of the father of the devil. It's a false teacher. So, I don't want to jump ahead of her teaching, but this was such foundational truth. Sometimes, we just literally have to go back and understand the foundations of what it is that we are doing. Okay? We cannot, like when you look at a teacher, someone who's appointed, we our call of God, even when we had to go through training for ordination, we had to make sure that we were convinced of our own selves that God has called us. You cannot sit there and just jump off because of some cultural thing happening and just want to run off without any training and any background and lead people awry. Okay? Right now, there is a in this nation, there is a predominantly false, vicious, hurtful, and destructive uh, policy breeding to rid and eradicate the teachings of truth of how behaviors happened in this nature against various human groups. And now people are going on mainstream media to herald their divisiveness about silencing the truth of behaviors of oppressive people and systems.
1: They're trying to eliminate a body of learning.
0: They are trying to eliminate a body of learning. This is no different what was occurring with prophet John who had to cry out in the wilderness. One thing that we can tell you is that as a teacher, as someone who is called of God, despite whatever the culture is doing, you will continue to herald the word of the Lord God so that the seeds of what you say and what you're teaching will germinate it will break up fallow ground. Because all you have to do is share an ounce of the truth. And that will go in and it will attack and it will dilute and it will dissolve fallow ground. We have to understand that we're in a society where everybody wants to consider themselves a teacher and everybody wants to consider themselves particularly as a Christian and everything about the lifestyle and the words of these individuals are contrary to the word of God. So we have to understand just because someone proclaims or professes a faith that is son of Christ does not mean they are qualified to teach Christ or called to teach Christ of Christ to our culture. We have political figures, some who have just uh, won various offices that use their Christianity as a religious term to herald negative, dismantling, vicious, evil, hot air, worthless words that people want to adopt as foundational truth. And that's where the teacher comes in. As in the beginning of her prophet Shanta in this message, the teachers work at, is a high risk environment because you must share the truth despite how the culture feels about that truth. Christ came and he taught the truth and people were set free and the people were set on fire in anger. So when you teach, know that there's no, there's going to be people who receive and there are people who are going to hate. That's why you must be sure of your calling to teach. That's why you must be sound in what you're teaching so that in the end of the day, in the end of your life, in the end of the call that God has placed upon your life, which generally occurs when you transition into his personal presence. You must be sure that you are sound and truthful and that your appointment stays sure with and, God.
1: And your life aligns with what you teach. And
0: your life aligns with what you teach. It's no thing it's terrible to say two Corinthians <laughs> than to stand up in front of a building with a Bible in your hand and then shoot at people in your way. That's something that has occurred recently in our modern culture, but that body heralds that whole effort or that individual as being a teacher or someone of God. And they follow those principles. So we have to understand that God has his true teachers, but the kingdom of darkness loves to bring people who are centered around lies and pride, arrogance, and greed, who want to run amok the office of the teacher and the truth that God has for the world. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the teachers who bring the truth of the word of God. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you, Lord, for the power and the authority of the teacher. But we pray that those who are listening will continue to search their heart and their minds and their souls to receive what your Holy Spirit is saying through this message. And Lord, help us to examine our lives that we are, as we have been appointed to share and to teach the gospel, that we maintain the truth of the gospel in all of our ways. Lord God, help us to not be belittled or to succumb to political or cultural pressures to turn away from the truth and the righteousness that you call us to give. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God. And perhaps those who may be listening to this live or those who will listen to this replay of this broadcast, that you who may not know you, Christ Jesus, that they will get an opportunity, and we declare that Christ is Lord and Savior, that they will declare that in their hearts and in their mind and receive the Holy Spirit. So that they can walk in truth and they can be learned. And most of all, God, let those who would listen to this broadcast now and those who would play have the replays, that you will lead them to truthful and righteous teachers in all of their dealings, in the name of Jesus. And those who are not truthful and righteous. In their lives, Lord, let their ears turn away from that poison. In Jesus' name we pray and give you glory. Amen. So we thank you all for listening today. And, you know, the links, if you want to give uh, financially to our organization, Life Nation, you can do so. They are in our links. So we thank you for another beautiful day today. And God bless you as you go forward. Study to show yourself to prove unto God. I work on that. Need not be ashamed. Rightly divide in the word of truth. That was my first Bible verse, memory verse, and has l- kept me alive to this day. <laughs> God bless you and have a magnificent